may your stamina never fail. Wonderful. Words to <laughs> yeah. teach by. <laughs> Excellent. Well, may your we stamina go. never fail, everybody. The Tefl Commute, Season 15, Episode 2. Hello, everyone. This is the Tefl Commute, a podcast about teaching. No, it's not. Lindsay, what is it? It's a podcast for language teachers. That's it. That's not about language teaching, but the topic always comes up. I love the fact that after how many years, he now doesn't have to look no, look at his notes for that. I'm just, That's and right. he gets it right every time. If we go back to the early episodes, it was wrong every episode. So, hi, I'm Sean. I'm one of the hosts. And in the room today, we have... Hi, I'm Kerry. And I'm Lindsay. How are you, guys? Good, 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 good. Well, you. good. Anything new? Um, well, yes, I've brought some new things that I want to talk about today. All right, you're not going to talk. We're not going to do any personal small talk. Then it's just straight into this is what I bought from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is it, like personal equals ELT I, equals, I, equals. I can't function work. outside small talk. <laughs> exactly. Surely one of you two has written an exercise on small talk that we can use as a as a way into. <laughs> Kerry, yes. hi, welcome to you. This is your first first uh, first outing in in this uh, season. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Um, it's like. It's hot and muggy here. Very grey, kind of misty sea is what I'm looking out at. So there you go. Misty that's sea. My, a misty mm. sea. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's Spain, isn't it? For those that don't, don't, don't yes. yeah. realise. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm out done. Two Spanish, two Spanish locations to the to Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, welcome to the podcast, everyone. Uh, if you are just joining us, this is uh, season 15, so you have 14 seasons to go back to. And in season 15, we're trying, we're just going a little bit different. Um, if you have listened to us previously, you will notice, you will know that each episode usually uh, is centered around a word or phrase, and we talk about that. But uh, having done 100 episodes of that, we thought we'd try something different this time around. So in this season, we're all bringing something to the podcast. Uh, which seems to be uh, an idea that does cause us great, actually, I think, more pain than actually researching an episode. There's so much angst prior to the episode starting about what we're bringing. Uh, so we're going to bring three things to the episode, one each, uh, which we will chat about. Uh, there may be, or should be, perhaps some relation to teaching, to education, and maybe even English language. Um, all I know is the words that of the topics that, the, that we're bringing. I've known more, nothing more than that. So, Kerry, what are you bringing to today's podcast? Okay, I'm bringing um, a word which might sound a little bit pompous initially, but I'm hoping it'll be interesting to explore. So, my my topic is literacy. Ah, okay. That, that okay. sounds like an almost sounds like Literacy. an episode topic, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> doesn't, it? Sorry, yeah, it doesn't but... sound too pompous because I think okay, it's so good. much around now. Like I often, you know, you got critical literacy, uh, digital literacy. Um, Absolutely, there's like there's all so kinds of literacies, isn't there? Kinds, yeah, but so I was um, doing some research um, last year for a survey and then an article based on the survey um, around literacies in general. But the thing that kind of I found quite interesting was the whole idea of the word literacy <clears throat> and two things. I'm going to ask you two questions on this. I'm going to do a Sean and quiz you. It's like, first of all, um, 
when do you think the term was first used? Oh, we're just talking literacy here in, in literacy, the word. <clears throat> well, uh, in the sense of go on then, because that was the next question. What's oh, okay. your definition? What's uh, your definition no, 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 of literacy? Yeah. It's okay. We'll reverse like, that. What's your definition of literacy then? <laughs> well, if I take well, a standard educational one, it will be to do with the ability to read, write, and do arithmetic, won't it? Well, actually, doing arithmetic would be numeracy. Oh, so, yeah, okay. True, um, yeah, so, if we're taking like the basic number one definition, if you look it up, will be that one. And Lindsay's coming up with a second one. I have a feeling. Oh, no, it was that one. I was thinking, like, learning how to understand words on the page, but then... Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so let's start with that one, then, because the question okay. about when was it first used is about that definition of the word literacy. Mm. So, so it won't being, be before... being able, like, the skills of deciphering um, the code of writing and being able then to, you know, so manually reproduce it yourself so taking that as kind of like the basic basic definition i'm giving you time to think i'm going to guess it is it's it's going to be not more than like four or five hundred years old because i guess prior to that they wouldn't have really called it literacy it would have just been part of being whatever educated by the clergy or in the court or whatever i suppose most people they didn't kind of consider that so i'm gonna guess well, then, that yeah it's, most people wouldn't i'm gonna to guess think. that it's like in the 1700s or 1800s yeah i'd have gone 1800s okay so um sean you're closer the late 1800s uh <laughs> kind of like when the industrial revolution was yeah. cranking up and all the rest of it then literacy as a word came into usage but what i found interesting was that hundreds of years before illiteracy was in use ah. so you had the negative but not the positive and so oh, that's, the word, that's interesting it is isn't it that I, I was like my interest was piqued by that by like okay so the idea of so does so I get, is this one of those words where the the negative prefix comes before the root word. Like, do oh, we get illiterate and then we become look how literate? exciting like, this has become. As, as, yeah, as, yeah, you know, it's so like, like you know, there are a few words that are like that, right? Like that are that are like you can be something, but you, it, but it's really weird to be like when you take off the negative mm -hmm. prefix. So illiterate. Okay. Cool. So I think that I think there is a slight difference between talking about the noun and talking about the adjective. So oh, it's kind of right. you know, oh, okay. Yeah. But obviously, kind of the. The concept of literacy wasn't something that was considered important, but the concept of illiteracy, which I guess would be the opposite of being a member of the clergy or a member of the court. Yeah. So being kind of one of the illiterate masses or whatever, I guess. Um, I haven't delved into it very, very deeply, but that really, I thought that was very interesting, this thing about the um, illiterate coming before literate and the timing of it. So, wow. um, but then... That very basic meaning of literate has developed. And now, um, like you were saying, uh, Lindsay, critical literacy and the other kinds of literacies, um, which will kind of brainstorm a few more. Um, but what's what's the meaning there then? Because it is a it's a different meaning of of literacy. Is it? Well, hmm. no, I No, it's a it's a uh, development yeah. of it. Or in dictionaries, it's classed as a second meaning. You've got like meaning number one and then meaning number two, and this would be meaning number two. Is it like an understanding of a system? Um, it's like, not. Could you have like, like 
like international relations literacy i don't know or like like there, road just, literacy like that you understand the system I, of road I mean, signs and all that i don't know i'm but, that, but that's visual i mean you have visual yes. literacy don't you i mean visual literacy is quite high which yeah. i would imagine is kind of the road sign one and it's very appetite in teaching today that we have visual literacy um i, I wonder if people i wonder if everybody's okay with critical literacy you've used it a couple of times do you want to define it <laughs> well isn't that kind of re like that it could be defined many ways, just like critical thinking could. One one definition I think could go along the lines of like sort of reading between the lines, reading what is what is text and what is subtext and uh, the intention behind text and the effect that that mm. text might have. Um, the putting text into context. I, I think all of those things could be considered part of critical literacy maybe the context part being also quite important in that sort yeah, of yeah the reason i said that is because I, is I think if we start to get visual literacy digital literacy critical literacy is part of those you know they kind of yeah. overlap um so, everywhere. so i think like to inform this and all of the different kind of literacies then the basic second definition and here i'm reading it from um, that happens to be the cambridge online dictionary having knowledge of a particular subject or a particular type of knowledge you know that would just just kind of the dictionary definition of it but then when we look at it it's this kind of like informed understanding of a field in particular so it would be like the critical thinking or you could have digital literacy you it's quite interesting with digital financial literacy, literacy yeah because this is this is obviously my area digital literacy it's when, yeah. when i teach and, but the, and the definitions of that are so non-standardized no matter where you go, there is no one definition. I mean, you could probably get a very basic definition uh, from uh, the JISC website, which is which defines itself as kind of um, I'm trying to recall it. The capabilities of uh, for individuals living in society is one definition of it. But then you go on and look at it, and ensuring that you've got the digital skills to operate within that and to be able to choose the right tool for the... So, I mean, it, it's I, I think when you get into that topic of digital literacy, it's just this mass of everything that that, that is there. And actually, because one of my first... One of the first things my students have to do is try and define it, and it takes them forever. Yeah. <laughs> to, and then I think it's going quite, quite useful when you break that down into kind of more, like information literacy yes yes, yes. Sort of which which then pinpoints it more about well, I always, I always your, think it your ability yeah yeah um, um so th so that kind of side of of literacy then is more about being knowledgeable um and within a particular field so you're literate in that field it doesn't mean that you can just read and write in that field but when you read you understand what right. you're reading mm. and you bring knowledge of that field so you're going to be scientifically so, yes. literate or so, or so why, why were you researching it ah, okay so because <laughs> i was looking at the history of the term eco-literate um, ah, okay. Surprise, all right. surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, not that old drum. <laughs> don't, don't worry, I'm not going to dwell on that. But uh, there was this whole idea of what, um, oh, so um, eco-literacy is actually a fairly new term, and it's been preceded by environmental literacy um, and oh, other literacies as well within the field. <laughs> but it's still that thing of um, expert knowledge and understanding within a particular field. And eco-literacy has only been around since the 80s. Right. Um, and it was quite interesting to have a look at how environmental literacy has been around for much longer. 
and was considered like kind of much more scientifically based. So it would just would have been one of the yeah, scientific like what it's environmental literacy sounds less. Um, it sounds like it could be more like. Uh, sort of uh, quote unquote neutral scientific, like someone could have environmental literacy if they just understood kind of the wetlands or the whatever the mountain range or, or whatever. That what it sounds like to me. Whereas eco literacy sounds like it's more connected to, or or or, or could be more connected to a sort of activism about this or. Uh, the first step in activism um, becoming eco literate is is that at all? And that's interesting because I would have yeah. I, I, at first at, at face value I might have taken them as synonymous. You know, mm. I think no, uh, which is, yeah. no. Now I'm making now I'm making me think about it. But yeah, now one one almost um, which I think uh, Kerry alluded to um, replacing the other to a certain extent. Yeah, so this is this is kind of interesting. So I was researching it and I found this one paper that I found particularly interesting because it was just a review basically of terminology and frameworks from the 1800s onwards. And um, the one term that I kind of quite liked as well was the term of illiterate citizenry, which kind of yes. then comes into this eco-literacy idea of being a literate citizen. And what does that mean? Um, so, I mean, do you want to guess or shall I just read out a quote? I would say for time, read out a quote. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, um, literate citizenry um, includes the ability to understand, make informed decisions and act with respect to complex topics and issues facing society today. So that is a literate citizen. So understand, okay. make informed decisions and act. So it's quite easy then to see how that then transfers onto eco-literacy. And as you're saying, that verb act means also activism. Yeah. But it's for all kinds of issues. Like wow. then it's that being informed about a field or whatever. So it's really um, in being informed and understanding. So this whole idea of literate uh, going way, way, way beyond uh, decoding the written word. So there we go. That is that was my nerdy journey. Wow, that was a, it was a wow. nerdy, but fascinating <laughs> journey. I mean, like, I'm not. I, it's just like, I, I find it really interesting. Uh, for I guess so. Just from this different way of do, we're doing the podcast because we because normally we come into the podcast with research notes and we've researched the episodes together. So you come in kind of having a conversation about stuff but here i just knew the word i didn't know we were going to go this nerdy route that was really really enjoyable <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's let's take a quick break and then when we come back we'll see what Lindsay's gonna bring to the table welcome to the algorithm the algorithm brings you the best in example language sentences found on the web and language learning apps. Each is tailored and randomized, especially for you. Your sentence for today is... His head is too small, I am very scared. His head is too small, I am very scared. We've had nerdiness, which is usually your area, Lindsay. So, um, what well, are you we're not going to actually, no, well, we're, we're not going to leave that area. <laughs> oh, and good. I thought it was really good that, um, 
that Carrie brought that up because my word or my area is going to be um, game slash simulation. Because over the past few months, I have uh, seen some friends in Canada and we played a game, which I know English teachers have started. Uh, I've seen I've heard of English teachers playing this game. And if you, as an English teacher, if you haven't played it with your students, it's a worthwhile one to try. It's a lot of fun. I'll talk to you about that. But then I was at a conference at the ELT Innovate conference in Barcelona, Barcelona and I ran a simulation, which are like a simulation slash game, which I also want to talk very briefly about. So what would you like to hear about first, the game or the simulation? Uh, don't mind. Okay. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. Yes, let's go with game. Okay, first. so the game is um I was playing a bunch of board games with friends in Canada and they brought out a game called Just One. Now, Sean, I know you know Just One. Carrie, have you heard of Just One? Nope. No. So just one. Sorry, go on. I was going to say, if you've ever been near Cheer at a conference, then you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll know Cheer just one. Chong is a <laughs> colleague of ours who's played it at conferences with loads of people. And I can understand why, because even though you can buy the box, which will have the pans and the little papers and things like that to do it, you can make this so easily yourself. So with just one, what happens is one person is... Um, the guesser. So one person doesn't get anything. They're just going to have to sit. So imagine students sitting in front of the class and everyone else is shown a word, the same word. Yeah. So maybe you would write it on the back, on the board behind the student if they were facing the class, right? Um, now everyone gets to write just one word to try to help that student or that person guess the word. So for example, if the word on the word that we're trying to get um, Sean to guess, let's say, was train, I might write rails and you might write conductor. Yeah. Now or when you strike. get strike or <laughs> strike. Exactly. Let's say you write strike or someone might write Thomas. Okay. Now um what happens then is before we show our words to Sean, we show the words to each other. And we're not allowed to talk when we're selecting our one word. If anyone has chosen the same word as anyone else, those words are left out so Sean can't see them. So, so if we've then, both chosen Thomas, for example, so that would have taken us better. better yet, if we had both chosen, let's say, rails and conductor, and all that was left was strike and Thomas. Yes. The two people <laughs> who put show strike and Thomas, now Sean has to guess what that word was. But he knows that maybe some of the most obvious words are not taken. So when you're choosing your word, you're sort of thinking, do I give the obvious word or a not so obvious word will someone else choose words so let's say the word was sun this was one that i had and i was thinking do uh, i choose the thing in the like, sky or... uh, yeah like you only what yeah the sun was s-u-n <laughs> the thing in the sky and i was thinking do i choose like ray or shine is that too easy or star and then i thought if some if i chose star and then like those other words, is that going to be too hard? So it's a really fascinating game and it's collaborative. So what happens is you're not, you're not competing. There's like, you have to, as a group, get up to 15 points within 20 words or something like that. So lots of fun. Well, yes. I was actually with Cheer not long ago because uh, we were working together here at the university and we played it with, we were running a teacher training course and we ran it, uh, we ran a game session where she played just one with a big group of us. And what I found uh, interesting on top of that, on top of what you just said, because it is fascinating, you're kind of like, which word should I choose? And the angst you get. 
And there's also that that pressure because it's competitive of everybody else guessing, guessing on their turn and it comes to you. And it's like, everybody's guessed so far what's going to happen, you know, the pressure of me. But what I was going to say is we played with a group of international teachers and it's really interesting to see how um, how internationally words are seen as the same or different, you know. So, uh, so you know, when you, you go down routes, I, I can't think of word offhand, but there might be a slightly idiomatic, idiomatic expression in English for it. And of course, the Spanish teachers are looking at you going, what the? <laughs> the yes. But, yes, because uh, also you might do collocation. Yeah, you exactly. Might yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, what you're sort of thinking, the obvious route is maybe a, a straight up synonym or really, really common collocation. But then you're thinking, how many other people might choose that? So do you, I go an unusual route? Um, so it becomes, and I think it's only becomes, it really clicks in when you play round after round yeah. after round after round, because then everyone's starting to get it. It's so, such a simple, it's just a simplistic game, but it's so, it's so much fun. It really so is. So anyway, just one, and you can make it yourself in class with no materials at all, or you can buy the game i suppose which it's comes about, with a nice little if you want to buy it, it's about in the uk retails about 18 pounds i think yeah and but it comes with nice little blackboards that it you does. show and turn around that you wait with right white nice mini whiteboards that you're showing each other and stuff so that's kind of nice so that was um the game the other thing that i did was a simulation and the simulation was one that i had purchased I'd run it three times now, and I finally bought it from the people who made it. It's called Star Power. And I don't know if you've heard me talk about this before. I haven't on the show, so on the podcast, so I will now. Star Power is a simulation that was written in 1969 um, as originally um, uh, part of an anti-racism workshop. And with Star Power, the simulation is you do you trade little chips so every you can do it with up to 30 people and people all get a series of random chips like a blue green red random colors and then they trade with each other and you have to get the highest score and so you do a round of trading and then you count up how many points you have and then the moderator sorts you into three groups and eventually the groups get labeled as the squares who have the best points, the triangles who have the least points, and the circles who have in between. And then there are rounds where you can try to promote someone within your group to a higher group. So you have extra chips. So if I was the triangles, I could say, well, you just need one point to go up to the next group. So why don't you take the bonus chip? Or you could pool like all the bonus chips and send one person up or spread them out, etc. So, so far, so kind of normal. You're trading, trying to move up the groups and stuff like that until um, a certain point in the game, in the simulation, the moderator says, now the squares who have worked so hard get to make the rules. And then you observe what starts happening because the squares begin, there's a whole bunch of rules for the trading and the squares are allowed to start changing the rules as they want. And what tends to happen is the squares tend to either do rules that ensure that they will stay squares for all the following trades, or they do rules because they feel that in, in the simulation I ran, the squares could see that the triangles who had low points were beginning to disconnect. So they made rules that would encourage the triangles to stay in the game, to not drop out mm -hmm. of the game. And then um, you kind of stop after a little while and, and discuss what had happened. And it's fascinating because even knowing that, what I've just said, still you get kind of wrapped up in the trading and you get wrapped up in the groups and stuff like that. And 
it was one of those activities where it's highly communicative so you can set this up with students it does take around two hours an hour for the simulation an hour for the discussion but what was really interesting is here are some of the rules written in 1969 of what the simulation is supposed to elicit the first one is each of us may be more vulnerable to the temptation to abuse power than we realize and that started happening a little bit in our one it happened really badly in another one i did with students the, the squares made these terrible rules that was a clear abuse of power Two, to change behavior it may be necessary to change a system in which that behavior occurs so that every time they were they were working to change rules but within the system there was no sort of idea of like let's just redistribute all the chips so, so everyone has the same amount because they were still sort of like saying but the rules of the game say you got to trade right and I'm like, well, you can make the rules. And they were like, well, okay, so you got to trade. And they would keep, so no one would, would think to do that. The third thing lesson was few people are likely to participate in an endeavor or system if they feel powerless. And then you, as a moderator, you're supposed to watch your triangles and watch how many of them just say, this is useless. I'm not going to, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be able to get any it. better. I'm not yeah. interested. I'm not, I'm not interested. And they start looking at their phones. They start talking about other things. And it exactly happened in this group. The squares were completely mesmerized about making rules. They were completely 100% engaged. And the triangles were absolutely not engaged until a rule was made that they could pool all of their bonus money together to promote one person to the squares, which we talked about later. It was like, you just created the lottery. <laughs> Yeah. And they were only kind of interested there. <laughs> like there was one group out of like the eight. It was like, one person's going to go up. One's going to go up. Yay. They go up. And then the next rule, which was really hurtful, it was like persons who are promoted in a system often forget those they leave behind <laughs> because the poor triangles had had this lottery. They set the person up and then the person was supposed to take care of them in the next trading. Like I'll trade with you to... But then they got in with the squares and they were like, oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot. Or, oh, no, I can't trade with you now. And so the triangles were like, we just sent, you know, the X up to the top level and they're not helping us. And then they were so fascinating, fascinating um, simulation. I will be running it at other conferences. So if you have a conference and you're interested in me doing it, I have the simulation. <laughs> this is an open advertisement, eight conferences, because I want to, I want to uh, do it again. I want to run it again. It's a great thing with teachers. Uh, it's a great thing if you're doing a conference which touches on any of those themes of social justice, power. What was change. the original? You said it was. I mean, obviously, you're using it in in, in ELT environment, both yeah. uh, for the discussion uh, and yeah. the students coming out of it. Uh, and the discussions that follow, which is obviously language practice. You said it was, it was said it was in 1969. So what was the original um, idea behind? Commissioned to do anti-racism workshops Uh, in the wake of all the unrest in the United States and the civil rights movement. So there was lots of interest in that. But then in the history of it on their webpage, because it's quite an, I mean, it's relatively easy to make, but you can't buy it. So I bought it and it's quite expensive because I wanted to support the people doing it. Mm. Um, But it was then later on used by the feminist movement in the 1970s. They would often do star power workshops and then related to gender issues. It was used in police departments to teach new and more forward-thinking progressive police departments to try to educate people about the nature of power. It was used in um, United Nations workshops and stuff like that in different countries it's been used by the state department so it's like a like you or and it more recently it's been used in the world of business to train middle management on the abuse of power and on what happens when people feel powerless so um 
it's been, but the original one was anti-racism. Okay, that's interesting. And, and you say it's um, what was it called? Star Power. Star Power. Mm-hmm. Star Power. Um, and uh, yes, you can find a little bit about it online. It's hard to find the exact rules because they do sell it at like a few hundred dollars. So, um, but yeah. If ever you get a chance to do it, or I'm if you want it for I'm... your conference, plug, plug, plug. So we go. So, so, so Lindsay's so Lindsay using Clanfield. the podcast com. for, for what? <laughs> yeah. have, yeah. have you? Um, have either of you watched the series Community? No. No. Oh, okay. Well, because there's a there's an episode in the series which is very much that kind of a simulation, although kind of it's set up in a different way. Um, uh, so it's they... a really eclectic series that kind of takes um, lots of different genres and plays with them. And, okay. and one of them is this kind of, you know, they, they create a new society with new rules and you win uh, through the likes you get on social media. You move up through the, yeah. the different yeah. bands. Um, but it's exactly the same. It's like it's playing with that whole thing about infiltrating and bringing down the top band, but then they don't, of course. And it kind of all of that. I think the two things would tie in really nicely. Yeah. Like, yeah. To play Sounds the simulation, great. to watch the, uh, the TV show. Yeah. Is yeah. there a, a yeah, I mean, from um, I'm thinking management terms here. Is there is there an ideal number that you play with? Or is they a... say a minimum number of eighteen. We right. were fifteen, um, and a maximum of thirty or thirty six. Okay. After that, becomes unwieldy. I think under fifteen gets very mm, because you want to have enough range of opinions within the groups for mm. there to feel like a majority is formed. Like if there were only two people, they might feel too connected to the others so that for example when the triangle was promoted they were sort of welcomed into this other group and they suddenly felt part of this so you've got to get that group feeling going wow it's very very interesting yeah yeah highly recommended shall we uh go into something different and then we we come back we will uh we'll hear what i'm bringing to the table Hey everyone, producer James here to say thanks for listening and just to let you know that if you want to say thanks to us for all the episodes that we've given you for free, we'd be really grateful. We love making this show. It will always be free to you, but there are some costs involved. So if you'd like to help out, go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Commute and buy us a coffee. I'm more of a tea man myself, but I'll still appreciate it. Okay, back to the show. So I was going to keep on the nerdy front and the, the almost the gamey front for what I'm bringing. So I'm bringing if to the table. If. 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 Yeah, if, but it's like capital the, I, capital F. Okay. <laughs> um, not I-F. Not I-F. Like no, well, like it just for something. Yeah, no, it, yeah. if, if is okay. the acronym. And, uh, oh, it's an acronym? Okay. Yes, well, if, yeah, but not, not, but not the conditional if I. Um, okay. But if, as in interactive fiction. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm. Mm. Uh, and it, it's, interactive fiction, I think, has um, a, a kind of almost a, a long history in with teach with education, but obviously it's uh, more born out of the gaming sector. So I guess it's a tie in there to to you um, yeah. and, and what you were just talking about. So interactive fiction is what uh, for people that don't know. Do, do you know what it is? Well, does it? Is, would you consider like a choose-your-own-adventure, yeah, a big exactly. sort of interactive yeah, fiction? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's so what I was going to say. Yeah. So the kind of thing on the page is like, so you reach the end of the hallway. There's a door, and then there's a window. The window seems broken. Do you a look out the window? Perfect. B choose the open the door. C knock. Whatever. 
Yeah, and exactly. Turn to page, turn to page, turn to page. Exactly. Yeah. So interactive fiction in the in a in the choose your own adventure style is where you are the main character of the story, and your your decisions make uh, determine the action of the the plot and and the way that the story goes, and there may be a successful outcome or not. Um, obviously, also. Um, I think the, the other way that people know interactive fiction is through early computer games, um, where yeah. um, is it? I, I can't remember. Zork is it? It's the very first one. That's where, right. Yeah. yeah. But well, that wasn't choose your own adventure. You would have to type things yes. in. So you had a whole, had a whole, uh, whole like series of things that you could like, like a series of commands. So it would be like turn exactly. left, yeah. open was, door, uh, whatever. Imp- so imper- imperative language like open yeah. door, go left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, had to, and half of that was almost learning the language that you needed. Yeah, so it, was like, it was learning programming in a <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. What, what word do I need for pick up apps or whatever? So yeah. I'm bringing it to table. I know this is a regular podcast, but in the video, I'm bringing it up because it's 40 years uh, since, since my favorite series of books came out. And it makes me feel very old. So if you're a gamer like me, like, like a D&D and all that kind of stuff, 40 years ago, there was a book came out called The Firetop or the uh, Warlock of Fire, Firetop Mountain, a book by Ian Livingston and Steve Jackson, which was which kind of revolutionized the choose your own adventure story and brought people in. But unbelievably, that was 40 years ago. And for, for the 40th anniversary, they've just brought out, they've just rewritten an, another one, which I'm currently playing with. Um, uh, with it, and and as as Lindsay said, it is it's pretty much there. So this one begins: a small brass bell jingles overhead as you walk through the doorway into the shop. Inside, you see a huge display of swords and shields mounted on the walls. On the floor to your left, there is a barrel of spears. Um, and then a tall man appears with a flat nose and brown hair. He looks at you suspiciously. You're not from these parts, are you, stranger? How can I help you? And then you make a choice. What you, and there's a list of choices that, that you make uh, from it. So I'm, I'm having a bit of a reminisce, but I'm also it also reminded me uh, of how you how how good these things are in language teaching. I would I would say definitely I agree and I just checked online because I remember I was like when did these come out again recently Marcos Benavides a colleague of ours in ah, okay. Canadian yeah. Japan got to redo and then I think he commissioned his own a whole bunch of choose your own adventures so oh, there are choose your own adventure ones that he did that are with ELT like so I'm looking at some of them tattoo of death he wrote but terror on the Titanic uh the, the whole, it's like, I think that he was even able to use the name Choose Your Own Adventure. It's got the little yellow top and the red like no. band at the top. Um, Choose Your Own Adventure, I think they've republished some of them. So check that. Yeah, uh, check that online. out. Yeah. We'll put, put a link on, on the website I think they for were it. being put, it sold as readers into like reader libraries. And I, well, I think they really, really, I think um, I, it reminded me, um, I, it reminded me, hey, that I used to talk a lot about interactive fiction because the other aspect is kind of, I think they're, there was, um, I, I, gosh, every, all IATFLs mold into one. But I remember maybe about five, five, six years ago, where, when Paul was, Paul Driver was talking about lifelines, uh, which yes. was the yeah, which you, which you probably picked up on your uh, on your extreme ALT site as well. Yes, um, you know that this idea that a lot of app games are actually interactive fiction. You you read them and you make you make a choice, uh, uh, and this. I mean, this whole idea that when we're looking, at, I guess we're going back around to literacy here in a, in an odd way, and looking at how we're teaching reading and reading with students, this, you know, there is this set of books 
uh, and concept that that is a different one that might engage readers in a different way um so um yeah and, and lifelines was great as well if you're not aware listening to the lifelines app i think at least one of them is free and they only cost a couple of dollars but, a, do you know that a new one's just come out i'm playing right. a new one at the moment <laughs> so what lifelines was is the 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 conceit of lifelines is that it's someone who's in a dire situation like trapped in a spaceship or on an abandoned planet or on the edge of a mountain or in a dungeon somewhere and they have their phone and they have access to one number and it's yours and so they're sending you messages so you read um like their messages but it kind of goes in real time so they won't like you you could advance it and do it all in one sitting but the best is when you wait for the message to come so you start playing the game like so i was talking with a guy or communicating with the game and he's supposed to be on Mars. And he's like, so do I go Do I go up to the left side mountain or the right side mountain? The right side mountain looks easier, but the left side mountain, I think there's something there. What should I do? I'm like, take the left side. And then he's like, okay, I'll be back. And then the then game stops. And it's like, yeah. and then, it's the, then it disappears. There's nothing. You're pressing the button. Yeah. And it says, um, and it, it come back. There'll be, a there'll be a notification on your phone when he gets there. And so it's, then I just put the phone away. And then like a couple of hours later, it was like, beep, beep, beep. And it's like, oh, he's like, here I am. I took the right road, like you said. And oh, this terrible thing happened to me. And now I'm trapped or whatever. And um, so you could do it with students. They, they had it where you do it with students where the class would have to decide as a group, what to what to do with Taylor do with is them. the uh, is the yeah, person Taylor. you're trying to sell. Yeah, and, and there are a lot, there are all sorts of these actually. There are there are a whole bunch of them, uh, and a lot of them are free that you can use with shoes. Not necessarily Lifeline. I mean, I've, uh, um, the, once you start looking at games in the the app games of them, uh, one of my favorites is Around the World in Eighty Days, done as an interactive yeah. thing. And um, one of my favorite teaching experiences recently is teaching an IELTS class using uh, a book about zombies. Where they had to, where they were, they, the, the story begins where they're, they open, they're awake in bed and uh, there's a zombie gnawing their foot off. What decisions do they make? It was oh good. It was good for it was good for, <laughs> for quick reading skills for for yeah. IELTS. But uh, yeah, it was just it was just funny how things come round again. And uh, I really have enjoyed... either of you ever tried writing one? Uh yes, with students. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I have not. I've wanted to, and I know there there there's software that allows you to do that, or you could just kind of do it on the bits of paper and like like. Well, millions I, of I, the, the, into a sense um we do it um i'm, I'm gonna uh, advertise again now i think the train uh that, that uh, yes. Lindsay and i wrote actually does mm-hmm. that to a certain yeah. extent because yeah. it's got because of the hyperlinking in in powerpoints so you can make a decision on the on the powerpoint itself uh, by true. building in the by building a hyperlink so yeah i mean we've written, we've written very basic ones with, with, with students to practice language uh, through it. And you can do that. I think you incorporate technology, uh, hyperlinking is good. Or Google um, Google Forms as well works as well, because you can put jumps in, in a Google Form for, for doing it from a basic point of view. But no, I, I mean, it's a lot yeah, of cunning Yeah, because it used involved. to be like the lots of A1 sheets of paper on the floor and trying to make sure that Have you written of- one? Yeah, I've written a ah, couple, okay. like, and making sure that each story had the same number of steps, and you know, sort of, and and um, and this was kind of a really, oh my god, this is way back, you know, sort of in the nineties, yeah, and yeah. Act- actually spreading them out on the floor, and then turning that into something which was on paper, and it was exhausting, and yeah. so time-consuming, and it's like, I, so, I could imagine, yes. Oh, talk about the efficiency factor. It's like the efficiency factor there was you know, zero, because it took maybe, you know, like two days to write, and then five minutes in class. 
it's really interesting to know that you've 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 written one but i do think that they're, they're one of those things that just you know in in, in education that, that kind of has gone parallel to us for a while and people like obviously like lindsay and i who are gamers i think we know these things and put the cross them over uh, but they are an interesting genre to to explore and if people are interested they can look up the fighting fantasy website and there's lots of stuff on there uh, about the books that i've talked about uh, and there's a lot written in, in, in on ELT blogs. Look at look at Graham Sandler's blog uh, website for for things on that, and he can link off for for lots of it. But yeah, I was just having a my gosh, how old am I? Forty years, but man, it's really good to play them again. And it's really interesting for me because my son picked one up the other day and started playing it as well. So it's interesting to see them moving down there. But there you go. And um, we probably have the apt finishing words for for this episode. Whereas, because these are they're called "You Are the Hero" rather than "Choose Your Own Adventure," because I think that's copyrighted. They're, mm. they're, so you are the hero, and then the closing slogan is "May your stamina never fail." What's the full words to <laughs> <Yeah>. teach by? <laughs> Excellent. Well, may your stamina go. never fail, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening. Um, this has been an episode of the Tuffle Commute. Uh, you can find us at tufflecommute.com to find all the other episodes of 14 other seasons. Um, I think we are moving podcast hosts over to another uh, podcast thing. So we'll be on Podbean eventually. Is that right? Yeah, they're there. We just have, I mean, you can find them on Podbean. We just not linked them all into our website yet. Okay, so if there's some linkage problems, that might be that things are just getting moved over. But if you're getting this in your regular podcast place, that will not change. Um, drop us a line. We're on Facebook, Twitter, all the places. And um, yeah, happy teaching, everybody. May See your stamina you never fail. Never fail. <laughs> never fail. May your stamina never fail. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.